NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grade Cricketer Podcast. I haven't written an introduction for today because this is an all sorts of strange environment. I'm sitting in a car in Parramatta with my close personal friend, Television's Sam Perry, who joins me now in the passenger seat. Pez, what have we become? I don't know, and, and we should be really clear to listeners uh, right now, as this goes out on a Monday, as far as we know, yeah. we're sitting here on a Friday afternoon, a uh, mm-hmm. Friday morning, I should say. Uh, the, the world, particularly this country, is um, very rapidly getting across coronavirus issues. It is changing by the hour, by the time this comes out. All manner of hell may have broken loose. I heard you cough earlier on the way in, so um, you know, at the risk of um, trivialising it, well, we're probably all going to have it in a couple of weeks' time. So, uh, anyway, let's do an event later, as we're going to do, and it seems like a normal and good decision. So, part of the all part of the process. Um, I live in Sydney. Pez lives in Melbourne. We're 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 making ends meet here. Uh, we're doing an event this afternoon. It's not the first podcast we've done from a car, although we've never done one from a car park. So actually, to the listeners out there, we are sitting in a car park in Parramatta doing this. And um, yeah, people are going to be walking past thinking that we're commentating. Uh, <laughs> commentating the car, the car park. Car park. Well, the Formula One's cancelled, so we sat in here and we, this, is, this is how we're getting kicks now. I'm saying Alexis. It's Volkswagen. not officially cancelled yet as we go to air. But Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Räikkönen <laughs> were on a plane out of there at 6am. <laughs> all all so the drivers are getting yeah, out of town. The drivers aren't doing Skipping it. Skipping out of town. Um, okay, well... Mate, this is um, we, we were very fortunate the other day to be invited to the premiere of the of the Amazon series, the test, the, yeah. the sort of documentary. I imagine a lot more people are going to be watching now if the internet holds up in Australia, given everyone's going to be home, yeah. self isolating. Yeah, if I hadn't thought of that, good point. Um, so we, we sort of um use opportunity to well, all the guests that we've got on this week is everyone that we spoke to on the red slash blue carpet, which was I mean, how many people we spoke to about 10, 12 people? Everyone, yeah. We, spoke we to haven't everyone. decided yet whether our title will say that our guests are. Langer, Smith, Labuschagne, Cummins, Finch, mm. Gawaja, Siddle, mm. whoever else we spoke to. Mm-hmm. Oh, Zampa. Oh, yeah, Zampa at the end. Um, well, I guess we'll find out what happens. So, anyway, we thought we'd roll this into um, just speaking about... Because it's been a very interesting series. Like, sort of the, the Ashes series and then Australia's summer just just gone has sort of been like the... Um, everything's back to normal now. Do you know what I mean? Like, Smith and Warner are back. You know, Bancroft doesn't play shield cricket anymore, so that's a thing. But, but you know, he, he's back as well. Captain of Durham, obviously. Um 
and so there's 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 nice sort of like um this arc in the storyline as well of also just being the storyline of the summer that everything's back to normal after sandpaper which is where this documentary starts Mm. yeah and uh i'm not sure how many people will have watched it by the time this goes to air but it seems like there's a lot of news articles and whatnot coming out Mm. uh about it and look it's I, i think it is an interesting documentary uh my initial thoughts on it is like it, it's very much worth the watch uh it presents the story of the australian cricket team with a level of insight simply not possible via reportage from the outside um as with all these you know docuseries or documentaries the key question is about its authenticity and i like i, I think punters should be absolutely aware that it will have been signed off you know inverted commas from ca so um it's not like a fly on the wall thing uh, where ca will have been worried about an end result that they had no control over um it's not an expose that tells a real story but it is like an immersive high production cinematic way of showing us the aussie cricket team in a way we haven't really seen before um has that, a lot of good parts to that a lot of parts that are quite funny like um you know who said it? Justin Langer or David Brent, for example. <laughs> uh, I do think there's heaps of heaps of value in it. You know, there are dressing room moments, conversations, relationship dynamics, and behaviours we've never seen before. So that's the goal. There's a lot of retelling of stuff that we already knew, though. But you know, they just have a flourish of slow motion or or dramatic music or dramatic moments followed by you know comic relief and stuff like that, which makes it easier to watch. Um, Langer is the main character, as far as I can see. It's about his kind of growth. Uh, through the role, it's quite funny. There's a lot of fucking parallels with club cricket <laughs> throughout well, it. Mate, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Like watching this, you just realise, I oh, know this was just club cricket, but, but the guys are sponsored. Everyone's sponsored in the team, not just one guy. Yeah, heaps of koala sponsorships from Steve Smith. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And a lot of moments where you get, yeah, and I th- like I'm kind of looking forward to like UK press coming out about it. There's a few things in it that yeah, like I said before, uh, Brentian. Uh, there's a few blow-ups in change rooms and stuff that you go, I've heard third graders do that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I, I, I really like the thing you're harping on there, and, and you are harping I'm on I'm harping a little bit, You're, yeah, you're really, really banging on about it, yeah. mate. Just oh, in the not, fucking car park here. Not the first time. <laughs> no, mate, I was just thinking just that element of this. No, this is fucking club cricket. These guys are just really good, but they're club cricketers. Because mm. <laughs> we've all come through the same system. So it got me thinking, there was a question that came in, Pez, mm. from Dougald Graham. Mm. Dougald? Dougald? Dougald. It's a good name. He said, Dear Hashtag ICDSC, one cricket season, I banned my father from discussing cricket with me. It was easily my best season of cricket. Was I onto something? Kind <laughs> regards. I love this question. And Dougal, like, these are the kind of strong, decisive and proactive measures sorely lacking across all realms of society at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I commend you uh, for them. You know, I can understand how a father's cricketing perspective can spread like a virus through a son or daughter, enveloping his or her psyche and then paralysing them physically, nice. the influence permeating uh, permeating efforts like the nets decrease interpersonal relationships. Um, I can only presume he goes that uh, the father in this case like layers his discussion with the subtext of disappointment, ways things could have been done better, controlling the terms of engagement, like a one-way highway of conversation where views are given, advice is dispensed, and Dougal is rendered a crippled <laughs> mess ahead of his next cricketing episode. Of course, it has a flow-on effect for the rest of the team. Dougal loses confidence, performs badly. Or as Freud predicts, Dougal starts copying his dad and contributes to the scared alpha culture uh, best loved by boomers. Um, so I'm not surprised to see that Dougal is succeeding. Um, that said, he goes. Mm. I do like to see fathers and sons connecting over cricket. So Dougal, unless your father is truly toxic, I suggest you enjoy his efforts to bond over this. As an adult, you too have a role in leading and developing your relationship with your dad and perhaps he's trying to connect, albeit clumsily. Um, you know, what was his dad like? What was Dougal's dad like? Dad, what was Dougal's dad like? Perhaps his modelling wasn't quite good and he's doing well in the circumstances. Maybe consider it. So a bit of a mixed message, but... Um, 
Yeah, mate, that's my fault. But just thoughts. thinking about, like, because you see heaps of stuff, heaps of people debuted for Australia over the last couple of years. I'm just, I'm just tying this back into the test, the, ah. the, the docu series, and you see like real proud families, parents, and stuff, and that's, that's a really small subsect of society who play cricket who get to experience that. Happy parents who are like, oh, you've achieved the thing that I, I gave you millions of throwdowns from the age of four until let's say fifteen. Yeah, and you've, you will now reward me with a CA contract. Mm. And we all have houses now. Exactly. But I don't. for most people, it's like, why the fuck are you still playing? When are you going to get a job? Hmm. What happened to Lisa? Hmm. Are you going to call her back? Did she ever go to the games? Is that the reason why you're not playing twos? What were your uni marks like this <laughs> year? What does AF mean? Absent fail. Had training, Dad. They said they had to get there at 3.30. Why is your batting average lower than your GPA? Hmm. All this stuff. So, mate, can you ban... How do you... If you're living with your dad, and a lot of people who listen to this show will be still living at home, if you're living with your dad, mm. how can you ban them from... Well, they just like say, how'd you go? They don't talk to me about that. It's confronting. Mm. But I'll also it's have a, dinner a, and I'll live here rent-free. Rent bit, and board-free. Got it. Sounds a bit petulant, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. perhaps Dougal should be grateful that his father wants to discuss anything, anything with him at all. Yeah. it's a good point. Should oh, you're going you're to control the conversation with him, eh? Gee, you sound like a real unit. <laughs> really shifted the message here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. The fuck's your problem, Whatever Dougal? floats the boat. What's yeah. your problem? <laughs> Just be grateful for what you've got. But he's scoring runs and taking wickets. So. He's having a good season, to and be you know, fair. As they say, mm. as the Aussies, and they failed when they did this, but it was a bit of a do-what-it-takes culture. Win would, at all costs. Would you and, tr- and this cost here is his father. <laughs> would you trade in a good season for the love of your father? I wouldn't trade it. But if you're averaging, say, 27. Mm, okay. <laughs> Everyone's got a cost, as they say. Everyone's got a price. <laughs> Everyone's got a number. <laughs> Everyone's got a number. <laughs> hey, Pez, let's talk about... Um, mate, one of the things about the, this, the, the docuseries was I, I'd, I'd forgotten about heaps of matches that happened, <laughs> like when Australia lost 5-0 to England in one yeah. day. And basically, every series that we didn't win, I, I'd forgotten about. Yeah. That, that, that 5-0 series was fucking quite something. That's where, that's where the, sort of the series starts. It's the first series after Sandpaper. It's a couple months afterwards. They go to England. And England are fucking purring. That yeah, was the England's... They were amazing. England's probably peaked then. They, they, were, they were still an excellent team because they won the fucking World Cup. Yeah. They sort of limped over the line in the World Cup, didn't they? Mm. And they lost like three games mm. during, the, during the rounds. Or maybe mm. lost two games or whatever it was. So they sort of like limped over the line there. But mm. like they, a year before when Australia went there and their bowling attack didn't include Stark, Hazelwood, mm. Lyon. There was obviously no Smith and Warner. It was a really young, weak team. Tim Payne was captain. Yeah. Um, Finch hadn't even taken over the reins yet. And a couple of those games, England hit, well, England hit 481 in one game. <laughs> they broke the record for most runs twice in that series that England had ever hit. Um, that was fucking remarkable. I'm pleased I'd forgotten about that. It, it showed just how bad and how lost Australian cricket was. At that time, and yeah, you mentioned how good England were as well. And like in in the series, like Langer is absolutely tearing his hair out over how bad they are. Mm. He he can scarcely contain his fury at how shit they are. Mm. And I think there is one point where he's like, "You guys aren't good enough to have fucking theories about uh, yeah, cricket." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've all got so many theories. You're not fucking good enough to have yeah. theories. Ricky Ponting could have a theory. Yeah. So I don't know what that means, but. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a kind of around in that time as well. It's one of my favourite kind of like uh, one of my favourite like little stories within the docu series is um, 
like Kawaja taking Langer on a few times yeah. and just the complete difference between both of them. And like, mm. look, subsequently, Kawaja's not on the side, though I think it's pretty fair to say that that's not through any kind of like relationship breakdown. He's just, he's, no. he's not Warner, like he's not out of runs and for, or yeah, not yeah, for yeah. me. He was just yeah. out of both. Uh, he was out just, of both, yeah. But I, I think about Kawaja and like, um, you could see that he's unwilling to be like a pliant drone, you know, an AFL time trialist yeah. who just focuses on his fitness. So he did lose seven kilograms and then was, you know, mentioned in dispatches as maybe being a captain. But uh, yeah, there, se- there seems to be, like though there seems to be respect between him and JL, like I suspect um, JL needed a few pliant drones at that time and instead Kawhi's just going, mate, it's coming on a bit strong, you know? <laughs> like, you don't need to tell us how you don't need to tell us how we get it wrong all the time. Like, we know we're getting out. Mm. And there's this other scene from um, Dubai. I mean, we're going to get into this, sorry. But, uh, no, no, keep going. Um, where Langer is like, he does that thing that we've all done at training. It's so annoying. But uh, the, coach is, the coach says, you know, if one of you gets out, you're all swapping nets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. just he's got the shit so bad. Yeah. He's like, Mate, I know I'm get, I know we're getting yeah. out. I don't need to swap nets and just start again. And like Lang has his full speech at the end, just saying like, well, you actually need you want to value your wickets more and understand that when you get out, it actually fucks everything up for everybody else. Yeah, I just love that test players need to be told that or reminded of yeah. that at that level. Well, he was like, yeah, Quaj was like, if I get out twice in nets, I fucking know I'm getting out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's not playing anymore. Don't you reckon, like, with with nets for international bowlers, like, I mean, they're, they're buying the quickest in the world anyway, but, like, everyone bowls 5% quicker, maybe a little bit more in grey cricket, 10% more in the nets, probably because they're buying from 12 yards or insert Absolutely. joke here. So y- you think about, like, how fucking quick and narrow those nets would be when a guy like Tate was buying, or Jofra Archer, yep. or Shah Bakhtar, yeah, or Brett Stark. Lee, or fucking Stark, or fucking whatever. Yeah. It'd just be terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying those names. He must be getting out all the time. I only imagined that they all Especially took when it easy on each other. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> You've been freezing since finals. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I I can only imagine how scary it would be. I always thought that they must take a couple of yards off just because they're really quick or whatever. But you can see in the docu series they go really hard at each other. And I think for the yeah. batsmen, it's like what what is there to win? You know how well Joffrey Archer got injured, didn't he? Part of his thing was his elbow. Was he had a he had a full eight over spell bowl off with Mark <laughs> Wood in the fucking yeah. net. Oh, first yeah. of all, who's facing that? Yeah, was it Paul Collingwood? Did he go yeah. back in? Would have thought so. Oh, yeah. Collie, have a hit. Collie wobbles. No one's ever called him that. Collingwood thing. <laughs> Living in Melbourne too long. <laughs> um. Well, uh, what what else? What else happened in that series? There was that Dubai series. What, what came well, up Well, Dubai was about Kawaja's ton. Yeah. And, you know, showing a bit of resilience and stuff like that. Yeah, and then they yeah. lost the next game. And, uh, sort and of forgot because, like, sort of, that they, they played the Sri Lanka series. Uh, no, they played, yeah, they played India then. Yeah, so then and it goes then, into the India series and it's first time at home since mm-hmm. Sandpaper and stuff as well. And, look, my favourite part of that, we all know what happened in the India series and stuff like that. Well, it didn't happen because Smith and Warner weren't there. But yep. uh, there's a great bit where, uh, I, I don't think it's spoiling it because we've seen it in the trailers, but they're at the SCG. They're playing on a wicket that they say is worse than Melbourne, which is quite funny. And um, David Saker, who's no longer with the side, is the assistant coach. And he, we've all heard this speech before. And he's on his, he's, um, he's revving up and he says, we, we can't not be aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be flat and we yeah. can't not be aggressive. That's it, that's it. Then uh, you hear that, like anytime you hear a double negative, you, you have to, you kind of, your eyes go to the top of your head and you think like, what? What, mm. what? What was? What was just said? Yeah. What, what, what did he just say? Yeah. He just. Thought, I can't believe this dross happens at test level, but it it, it absolutely does. It's I don't know if that's good for the Aussie team. Like it endears them to everyone. And go. Oh, this isn't actually too far away from what we do. Mm. I wanted the Aussie cricket team to be, uh, like, just full of awesome insight all the time. Yeah. But instead, it's like PowerPoint documentaries with like um, mm. 
you know, uh, Times New Roman Helve- <laughs> or Helvetica. Helvetica is actually pretty good, pretty good font. Uh, yeah. Used the right way, but mm. uh, emboldened, italicized, and mm. underlined, saying, "You know, we not me, we not me." And then the yeah. we was like squiggly lined on the line because it's like poor grammatically. Yeah, yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Fragment properly. consider revising. It's <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Should put a couple of messages there in wingdings yeah. just to try and get some subliminal stuff going on. Um, mate, it's really funny because, like, the amount of meetings these guys have, and I know, like, we've spoken about in the past, mm. like, these guys, are, they fucking they live in cricket. They, mm. they live in it. And, like, they don't just play the game. They're, they're having meetings, trainings, travelling with the team. All, all this time they're getting all this communication. Like, all these guys within a, within a professional unit. Jimmy Neesham said this a little while ago about just when he lost his batting, so it was like there's fucking, like, eight different people telling me how yeah. to play. And you look at all these guys in this meeting. You know, Brad Hatton, the fielding coach, Ponting, Steve Waugh's coming in, Justin Langer, there's Graham Hick there, there's the fucking, you know, high performance manager. Mm. And it's like all these guys are just, I don't want to say, like, justifying a job, but I have used those words. But it's like fundamentally, if someone isn't good enough to play test cricket, that's how the team gets picked. Not mm. because, like, oh, I just don't think we want it enough. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just you're missing three of your best players or two of your best players. One of them who's a fucking worldie, and the other ones a worldie at home. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's the reason why you're losing, not because you know, oh, we didn't walk in three steps instead of two. I don't. Know, it just found like all these like the, the the brains trust going into these conversations. Like, nah, the team with the best players wins the game. Yeah. Or the team who plays at home. There was um, it's probably like frustrating to hear, but made a comment off air to one of the Aussie players uh, on the blue carpet about the number of staff and he just sort of rolled his eyes at me. Oh, yeah, there's a few of them around, yeah. Mm. And then we get on the mic and he speaks quite nicely. There's <laughs> 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 you know? just quite, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, it's that thing of like, you know, in club cricket where like, I remember once uh, I had, uh, what was it? It was a second grade game. I got bowled the ball before lunch and I walked in. It's like, well, there goes my fucking Saturday. Yeah. So it, like just terrible. And like, there's, there's a volunteer who was there. And he was like serving the Subway sandwiches at Chatswood over there. And he's like, yeah. oh, should have moved your feet. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you fucking think I needed that at that moment? Like, that's the kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like to play professional cricket. And like, we yeah. talk to guys. No, you don't. <laughs> Sorry. You just that there. A lot of people get just confused. to be clear, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I talked about my third grade, the yeah. 99 the other week. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, but like to just the intensity of it. But I just still feel like there's guys around the dressing room like who are wearing baseball caps and their arms folded, just watching the cricket, just look, looking really hard to be impressed. All having their two cents, and it's like, nah, I don't know how much it's needed at that point. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the disconnect between grade cricket and, and professional cricket. But geez, I, I felt it at times. Um, what well, should we go? Let's go into the the World Cup. Let's go to the, the good stuff. The World Cup and then the and then the Ashes. That's, yeah. that's the most important. I think the Ashes is really. Let's go to the Ashes. Okay, yeah. World Cup. They didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, well, the sides well I would say with that, it's just like that really highlighted to me how like professional teams can only focus on one format at a time. Mm. England's put all their eggs into the um, into the World Cup basket and they fucking changed the game. And they moved it heaps of steps forward. Australia put all their eggs basically into the Ashes basket. They didn't give a fuck about you know, the World Cup and whatever. And now they're putting all the eggs into the T20 World Cup mm. because there's, there's no other cricket really to focus on. It's just kind of highlighted that, but I don't know, mate. With the Ashes, yeah, I was thinking about it. I said to, this, to you the other night, like, I think the, this Ashes just gone is up there with one of my favourite series ever. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be that in 05. Yeah. May, maybe, well, this one's better because we retained, but mm. the 05 had fucking everything. Had, mm. the, had the star power, had this new guy, Peterson, on the scene. Yeah. 
And I think at the time for England, I don't think that conversation around the difficulty of winning away series was as pronounced. And no. I think England resting the ashes from Australia, although yeah. at home, was probably a bigger shock than Australia necessarily getting it, uh, well, retaining in England, yeah. even though yeah. what Australia did in England was was remarkable. Was I'll maintain that. I mean, you only have to see how difficult it is for really good sides to win away at mediocre places yeah, yeah, yeah. to know that the, the, the way that Australia was able to adapt itself to defeat England on their home turf after, you know, they'd won the World Cup. The cricket was very um, w- was big in the country. Yeah. England's test side is is good. Like, mm. it's decent. It had just be- it's beaten India uh, yeah. the year before. Yeah. Really good effort, but still, what England did in 05 was um, remarkable, although and, Australia was on the wrong side of it. And they... And they won. They won yeah, the series. Yeah, they won, they yeah, won the yeah, series. Yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, anyway, th- this series had fucking everything. Yeah. You know, like probably the most memorable thing that will be thought about for years to come isn't going to be that Australia retained it. It's going to be Headingley, which yeah. is funny. I mean, th- this series had so many ups and downs. Joffre Archer coming to the series, the Labuschagne thing, Smith being concussed, the Smith series overall, Australia having all these bowlers fully fit finally. Like all this stuff, It's uh, it, it, it was so encapsulating. Like, I... Like, I was fucking... So were you at the time. We were spoken this heaps. Like, we're staying up three, four in the morning to watch the cricket. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. That's what it means in Australia. Yeah. And, like, on, on the series, it, it, I think it captures it pretty well um, for the two episodes that it can... Like, when it concerns itself with the ashes and all the great... Uh, moments from the series that you can't get anywhere else is are those dressing room shots and those conversations that they're mm. having, the way they're reacting to the crowds and stuff, mm. uh, and in particular though Steve Smith. And I think watching that series again, we like we went to the premiere and they showed episode seven, which is Edge Baston and Lords. So that was uh, Smith's comeback. Yep. That was a hundred in both innings, and then getting. Um, sconed by Archer and everything that went around that. A little bit of a side thing on Labuschagne mm. and uh, Labuschagne, I should say, and. Uh, it reminded me, though, that I think Smith's batting performance is the, and I've said this before, but it's the it's the best batting performance over a series I've ever seen. I, yeah. I struggle to see like when you think about it relative to what everyone else was able to do. Yeah, everyone's just getting rock and rolled. It's amazing. So, it's know, amazing. Yeah, and uh, he was just in, indomitable. Yeah, uh, it was it was it was amazing. Truly, Jason Roy had a good series. Though. Some people, yeah, it was. Some, yeah, some people forget about that. Uh, oh, cool! A couple of contractors just walking past the car. They're gonna, they're, it's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey boys, are we doing yeah. a podcast on con- construction work in Parramatta? Mm. Yeah, or CIA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One guy's staring me out there, and he's one. <laughs> a little injake for the boys, um, mate. Uh, yeah, one of the, one of the great things as well was like the the Broad Warner thing in the Ashes series, and like. Um, there was a thing after it was Edge Baston, wasn't it? It was Edge Baston, yeah. and it, when he got him out the first time, yeah. And um, Warner comes in the dressing room, and you see it, and Warner yells. And there's, that. A, there's a player, there's a player there, like getting. We don't know who it is. He's yeah. like putting shoes on or something. Faceless Kept, Australian. He, player. Yeah, head head down. Mm. Don't want you know. Don't want him. To, oh, I'm, I've got no presence. Although I'm listening to every single thing you're saying, and I'm going to repeat it back to the boys. Yeah. I think it was a line. It was back, yeah. I think it was line. It was about ten that game. Yeah, but, right. um, but yeah, he was. He's seen Australia bat before. Mm. Um, yeah, and Warner comes in and he goes. He yells out. Fuck! I trained for that every fucking week. Yeah, that is just that is fucking great mm. cricket. And the mantra there is: if I yell the loudest and I swear the loudest, that means I care the most. Yeah. And you just feel like you're just watching it going. <laughs> ah, it's about to get worse for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sort of forgotten in that series. Um, it was like in the first day. It was like third ball of the series. He was actually caught down the leg side, and they didn't. The Bearstow appealed, but they didn't mm. review it. And then Warner got out LBW to Broad, and then he didn't review that, and was actually missing leg. Right. It wouldn't have mattered. 
I'm yeah. just saying it was just it was interesting. Fuck Broad Bob all that series. <laughs> My God. I know I know it was a bit like oh Warner can't play away from home. Yeah. Honestly, round the wicket, yeah. swing both ways. He can get out Warner could have got out four ways every ball. <laughs> honestly. It was just, it was just, it was kryptonite. You just kryptonite. had that angle when Broad mm. was coming into Warner, it was just like you were just you were just sort of wincing as an yeah, Aussie, just watching. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a pad. There's a, yeah. the bad angles are wrong. He's nicking. Something's happening. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't get on top of him in any way. Then Smith would come out and be like, "Just what's the problem? What's what's what's, what's up? Why, yeah. you, why don't you crab across your crease and mm. flick everything to leg? Why don't you do that? Anyway, um, well, yeah, good series. Yeah, it's good. Have, series. have a look at it. It's good series. And actually, in terms of, I remember after Sandpaper. We were speaking on the podcast. And we were just talking about like the retribution story had already been written for Smith. You know, he's going to come back and he's going to score his runs, and people are going to love him again. It's actually fucking perfectly documented in this series. It actually mm. is like it's like the whole arc of it mm. is just perfect. Glorious. Compensation runs. Compensation runs. Um, well, let's get into. Um, should we get into today's? What's happening in today's world, Pez? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's not, I mean, there's not happening heaps in cricket. Mm. And um, I should say actually, but before we do get into today's world, coming up on the show. I chat with the director of the documentary, Adrian yeah, Brown, right. about 10 or so minutes on how he made it and uh, and that kind of malarkey. And then that's followed by us chatting with all the guys on the blue carpet as well. And, um, you know, as usual, it's 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 pretty silly. And a couple of guys actually trying out for us quite, quite vociferously, really, uh, yeah. given their brands. But anyway. St- <laughs> stuff you expect. Yeah. Stuff you expect. There's a big news that's broken today is that um, the Australian-New Zealand series will be played behind closed doors. There'll be mm. no fans there. Um Obviously, insert joke here about no one's going to go anyway, but um, but it's yeah, and, and we've got all the shield jokes about that as well. So cheers. Yeah, it's um, I don't, the, will the, have happened. This series by the time is this, yeah, this, this game's already happened. I mean, the, the most interesting thing about this is that they're using retro jerseys. These yeah, are the '99 World Cup and, jerseys. And CA though being very good with us over the last few weeks, did not heed our call to give us yellow. We're not wearing yellow lids. Yeah, but f- far better from us to insert ourselves into the story. Um, too much, yeah. That are, and look, New Zealand have done it again because I think their retro jersey is better. <laughs> I don't like that jersey. Um, cool, we'll disagree and yeah. we'll do it civilly. Fuck off. <laughs> well, I was upset that they. I was upset the Aussies didn't go with the lightning bolt. Isn't this? Here's what I think with the retro jerseys. Okay, right? go for it. I here's think, the thing. <laughs> sorry, and it is and it is the thing as mm. well. What I say is gospel. I think the thing with retro jerseys. Is it like you you associate the jerseys with the time when we were good? Yeah. So you're repeating something I've said before. Oh, really? Have you said that? Have you? Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, well, you've put it into my head, and I'm paraphrasing you. Then, like, well, Australia won the '99 World Cup. That's why that jersey's good. Like, there's nothing new happening. You can't make new memories if we're shit. And I think all the the people who voted in that CA thing are kind of digital natives for whom they were eight years old in in. 1999. So they're all born in 91 or whatever. They're right. all kind of, you know, what, 30 odd now, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So it just makes sense. So that's, that's what they're targeting. Mm. I don't know. I just don't like the idea that you can't make new memories. Because I was thinking about the Australia jersey when they lost 5 0 to England. I actually quite like that jersey. Mm. Had Quintus, Quintus on the front, mm. nice yellow, sort of some green in there. Mm. Just traditional ODI jersey, as mm. you know. They use, they use yellow and green. I thought it was a good jersey. No memories come from that, though. <laughs> six for 481. <laughs> or 481 for six. Depending where you're listening from. Yeah, where you're listening from. Stay tuned. So, I don't know. Give me a new sleek jersey that we can celebrate in 2020 or when we win the World Cup in 2020. Oh, you don't want to look back. I don't want to look back necessarily. I mean, mm. like in the dark time, that's I what want everyone's to look doing back. now. You know, vintage is in. I mean, look at the NRL ad. Simply, just, oh, let's just play the Tina Turner thing from 92. It was the best yeah. then. Oh, let's just have that. That was Things were good then. Yeah. Let's just do something from when we're good so people think, by extension, we too are good. 
I mean, they should be going out and, you know, has Kim suits, really. Mm. Should be going out. And that, and I would watch that. Because <laughs> <laughs> people walk out to bat like it's Breaking Bad. I don't know. I, know. I mean, is there anything Coronavirus may not be funny by my No, nah, well, that's, that's it, isn't it? It's weird. I mean, it's escalating by the hour. He's just saying on the way over here, Pez. I don't know, mate. Is there anything to take away from this series? I mean, like, foot, so the football code start in Australia this weekend? Like, or rugby league's I guess started. for me, it's uh, if you're going to look at it from a cricket angle, it's New Zealand were World Cup finalists uh, and... Um, and tied the final, and uh, Australia have been pants, as they say, in ODI cricket, oh, yeah. and have just also been beaten quite handsomely by South Africa. Mm. Um, are New Zealand warm favourites in that format of the game? Maybe. Maybe. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it'd be good to see our friend of the straight Jimmy Nation back out there. Certainly will. Um, all right. Well, should we, get, uh, should we get Adrian Brown on the show first, and then after that we're going to speak to uh, speak to the guys on the, on the blue slash red carpet. Okay, well, I'm here solo, a rare solo foray uh, on the grade cricketer with an interview. Uh, I'm sitting, again, in the four walls of the CA boardroom. They keep bringing us back here. Uh, last time I was here, Kevin Roberts was uh, talking to us, and the other day we were talking to Belinda Clark. Now I'm seated with Adrian Brown, who's the director of The Test, the uh, much-hyped documentary about the Australian cricket team. They pick it up post-sandpaper. Uh, anybody who's listening to this interview will have received... Um, an absolute onslaught of ads about this. <laughs> you, you cannot miss the fact that this is coming out. Yeah, um, Adrian, we're sort of uh, we're a couple of weeks out from it premiering uh, to the public as mm-hmm. we go to air here. Um, uh, you know, like what's what's the vibe you're getting from people about uh, about the test? I think excitement building. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it certainly feels like people are talking about it, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think. You know, it's been such a sort of an amazing couple of years with Australian cricket off the back of, you know, South Africa following that through that I think for people to finally see it and I think finally – I think people have a lot of questions. What am I going to see? Mm. What's, what's so revealing? What's the access like? Mm. And I think that's hard – you know, it's one thing to go, hey, this is in it, this is it, this is where we take you, but until you see it, you go, oh, I didn't realise it might be to that level. Mm. You know, so I think that's really exciting to suddenly for people to be able to see that. Mm. I, I, and I suppose people are going to read a lot of interviews about this and, mm. you know, you, you'd be on the hook to say, you know, the, the access is amazing. Yeah. Uh, were you one of those people who, behind the camera? Or were you there for the entire No, well, well, so we had a great uh, cinematographer, Doc, mm. who basically embedded with the team mm. and over time effectively became the 13th man, mm. you know, and did such a great job that uh, sort of told people that over the course of the series, when we were starting to film in the first ODI series under JL... Like, you know, you're a little bit distance. You're sort of, you know, you're just sort of working out how close we can get, where we can go. By the end of the World Cup and the Ashes, you were sitting on the next seat, mm. you know, at some of the most painful moments in Australian cricket, mm. but you're right there in amongst it. So to that level, it's like, wow, it's amazing to be right in there at that moment. Mm. It, I mean, and like of all of the parts of the documentary, because it calls itself a fly on the wall series, it's called a docu-series. Mm. I think if anyone was going to be cynical about it, they'd be like, well, hang on, isn't CA involved in this yeah. in some way? And, and you know, if someone might say, well, is it, a, is it an ad or is it investigative journalism or whatnot? I mean, what are the parts of the documentary you think people can look forward to that regardless of who had their fingers on it is yeah. pretty unencumbered access? You know, what's, what's the stuff that you just go, wow, I wouldn't see this otherwise? I think you'd probably get maybe 15 minutes into episode one and go, 
oh, no, it's not. Yeah. You know, it, it's not yeah. from that perspective. You've seen any of the All or Nothing series on Amazon. Yeah. You just realise that that access, it's like, well, it can't really be, it can't be spun as almost a PR spin because the access is so great and it's so raw mm. and it's so, you know, there are moments you're like, oh, wow. If, if you had the choice to take mm. it out, you might, if you were sort of looking to not say face or anything, but just present a perfect image, mm. you'd remove that, you'd remove that, you'd remove that. But that's sort of the beauty of it that by showing those moments, it makes the success successful moments when they come even even greater because there are low moments that, that dip through or combative moments in a huddle or pretty um, you know pr- pretty tense post match. Meetings yeah. that you're like, okay, this is. I'm not sure where this is going to go from here, but uh, so to that level, it's. Um, I, I think people get the idea pretty quick. I, I'd imagine that people would get to the end of eight episodes and go, "I've forgot any thought that I had that this might be a you know a public relations exercise." Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting to use the word tense. Um, uh, ha- like having having seen the majority of it, Justin Lang is the main character mm. uh, in it, and he's super intense at the start. Yeah. Um, I just wondered, like, do you observe any growth in him throughout the time of the documentary? I mean, when I look at it, when I watch it, especially the initial phases, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, he's, a, he's an angry man and he's a man under stress and he's a man under pressure. Um, what, what sort of growth did you see from him throughout the doco? Well, it's fascinating. I, th- I think as part of that is, you know, you look at his period of Australian cricket, it's like, well, new captain, new coach. Mm. Well, who do you follow? You sort of got to start off with the coach who's in charge of setting a new course for the team. So we sort of use JL as that figure point to, to sort of direct us through. But then suddenly you get thrown a 5-0 loss to an ODI series against England. It's like, oh, okay, we're at a low ebb. Mm. It's actually going to dip a little bit. Mm. And if you look back to where JL comes from in his cricket career, like he played in a pretty successful era of Australian cricket. So that would have been a challenge for him to adjust to mm. and the players adjusting to him. But you do see over the course of the series that – JL almost letting go a little bit over the path and relaxing a little bit more. And the players start to take over a little bit more. And I guess that's like anything over time that when you come into any new environment, well, there is always that leader, that point at the top. And then people suddenly find their confidence and go, oh, no, we've suddenly worked out how we work and our relationships work best with each other. And we dance this way and that'll get the job done. What do you think? Uh, I mean, w- one of the really interesting things about watch- watching the documentary is like, you know, the Australian cricket team is this kind of like, it's this Everest for most people yeah. when it comes to whether what they want to achieve playing or just what they um, see from afar. I mean, it's this um, far away, majestic, amazing I know, team. it's beyond Everest. Everest yeah. you can climb. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you're not playing for Australia. Yeah, that, well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then, and then you, you see these cameras in there and you're like... God damn it, they just say heaps of stuff that's said in the club cricket dressing rooms, you know what I mean? That's uh, one of the most simple things. Yeah. It's like, watch the ball. Yeah. You know, JL might just, but it's a simple terminology, watch the ball. Adam Gilchrist speaks in a moment talking about how the focus at just that particular point is the most important thing in your life. And you're yeah. like, that's pretty simple. I think for c- cricketers at home that would go, oh, you have never thought about it in that sense. <laughs> it is, you know, what was I worrying about? Yeah. That's all I need to do to be Steve Smith. But, you know, of course it's more than that. But it, it basically all comes back to that of being, you know, oh, yeah, under 14 is a Parkwood Cricket Club. If yeah. I had have applied everything I know now, yeah. I would have been much better. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you look at the dressing room scenes, I think a lot of our audience would be very keen to see how the dressing room actually works. Like it's quite earnest and most of the parts of the yeah. that we watch are about, you know, those real um, flash points or growth points in the narrative. You don't see... Um, 
too many much hijinks you know Nathan Lyon makes a few jokes here and there when they when they uh, win some matches finally you don't see guys in the tubs you know for example not that I don't no. think anyone wants to see that but I guess there's a long way of saying like you know where where did the access stop you know when you were negotiating with CA over what was shown or not no it, it didn't one of the challenges is I guess and you're making a documentary series as opposed to so I guess if you print media or, or say radio you can talk about a moment and you don't need the accompanying pictures right. to help yeah. tell the story yeah. it's like yeah. If we kind of made a doco series but only spoke about moments we didn't capture on film, it'd be pretty dull. Yeah. So your narrative somewhat has to follow the moments you can be there. And you you can't quite be in every spot at all the different times. You don't know suddenly if, I don't know, Paddy Cummins is getting some work done or, you know, seeing the doctor in one area of the rooms. Who's preparing to go out next to bat? Where do you pick and choose where you're going to be at any particular moment? And hopefully that happens in front of the camera so there's all those challenges and I I guess we're somewhat directed by okay what we've caught on tape is the best moment and I think uh, probably as you know the series unfolds there are a few more sort of hijinks in Mm. dressing rooms it's certainly in later episodes you know with Mitch Marsh you know joining the Ashes teams and I think people might get a good insight into okay that's what Mitch Marsh also brings to the Australian team. Yeah, so you think it's a pretty good representation of what blokes are like? I mean, because really, when it comes to that level, all cricketers ever want to know is, you know, I don't care how many runs he scores, what's he like as a bloke? Yeah, mm. completely. And, you know, that, that was always, you know, thrown around a lot, you know, great blokes. Oh, it's just, yeah. you know, JL's just going to pick great blokes. And I've <laughs> been asked that a bit, but it's hard to find someone who isn't a great bloke. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's so simple. It got to the point that, you know, one of the great privileges of this job was to go, get to talk cricket for an hour with Nathan uh, Lyon. And I'm sure you guys love that. And you're just talking cricket. You know, and whether it's playing for Australia or playing for the thirds out in Ringwood or whatever else it might be, it's like, it's not too far removed. These are chats that I had with my dad, you know, and, and all of those beats, I think people go, uh, that's uh, identical to one of the characters we've got at our local club. Uh, or that's, yeah, he's exactly like that. Or he goes about it the same way Manus does or whatever else. The personality traits were sort of, uh, we never tried to sort of, bring them out by forcing them they're just there anyway i think by hanging around the team long enough and and being around that they just naturally evolve and and one of the beauties is the series is eight hours effectively Mm. eight one hour parts so it's not as though it's like truncated into this small 60 minute thing that okay you've just got to get through so much there's a bit of time to actually to listen to some stories Mm. and to to um i guess connect with these players and and hear like you know there's a great scene where Nathan Lyon presents the cap to Travis Head. Mm. And I think for people to see how emotional Nathan Lyon gets in that moment is people go, I didn't realise. That's what it meant to Mm. Nathan Lyon. And I think that's a great point for people to go, I I like what he stands for. Nice. Um, There just seems to be like an absolute plethora of sports documentaries coming out now. It seems to be like the battering ram for a lot of the big tech companies to get into sport. Like I know with Amazon and Netflix there's – Sunderland Till I Die, Leeds Take Us Home, you know, Netflix did Juventus, uh, it was the All Blacks, it was yeah. Man City. Uh, like, what, what is the... the um, Brazil national team. Brazi- yeah, 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 we could talk forever about uh, how, how many there are. Like, like, what's the attraction of a sports documentary to, firstly, to, like, say, Cricket Australia, but then also to these organisations? Like, why do sports documentaries seem to be all the rage at the moment? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think... I don't know if there's, like... You know, you know, people have said, oh, there's something about sport and offers up the most amazing stories in sport and life lessons through it. There's something about the unscripted beauty of you just don't know where sport goes. If you had have sat at the, the, the start of this and we said, hey, let's write the script for a Hollywood movie and we'll have all these touch points over the next 16 months of what's going to happen with Australian cricket, 
it would have been a pretty good script. You go, nah, it's a bit too unreal. Mm. We're not going to have Smithy come back and then, you know, take that hit from Archer and then Manus can step in. That'll happen. And this and all these moving parts, you go, oh, that's a bit too unreal. Mm. But I think the beauty of sport, and then you have the Stokes innings at Headingley. Yeah. You know, so you have all these great moments and you're like, I think the beauty of sports is you just, it somehow unfolds in a way that mirrors life a little bit, but it's just a game, but oh, I don't know what it is. And yeah. like, I think the fascination, at least with this one, is this is the first time that cricket's opened up. Mm. You know, that I think there's, I think, you know, the American sports NFL and you see everything they do, which is so fantastic, but this is a bit of a one-off first mm. time in the water, a, a little bit. And I think that's the fascination where, where this, it's hard to compare it against others mm. because so many other sports have had so much, you know, behind the scenes access by it, but cricket never really has. So I think yeah. this is really fascinating in that sense. Um, look, just the final one. Like all, all through the series, as people watch it, um, Justin Langer talks about how you know the media is just white noise. We've got to we've got to we've got to forget about the white noise. Yeah, it's just yeah, talk. Yeah. It's just whatever. But more than anybody else, he seems to be the most pissed off about stuff that people say. At least in my uh, interpretation. Like I mean, how what, what I found interesting was like how could he at once be so um, easily frustrated by the media and then at the same time have cameras around him. Uh, th- there must have been some flashpoints there. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like interesting in that sense because we were always like, and maybe coming in it was interesting, I, I was thinking, coming in, oh, okay, well, they're talking about that in the media, we've got to put that to the team and find out. Yeah. But there is truly sort of a bubble that you get within the team and you go, oh, they're not really reading that. They're not really responding to it. You always hear it from sports like, don't read media, it doesn't affect us. There was a point to go, no, then they're actually not talking about it. We bring that yeah. together. Yeah. There's not really a story to tell here. Yeah. And that's that's almost that other part of that's the 24-hour news cycle. We were like, hey, this is big at the moment. And you go, you know what? It's not going to be. If you sit 12 months' time, you go, what do you remember about what do you remember about the tour of the UAE? Uh, you know, in 2018, you go, okay, Uzi's innings yeah. and Payne <laughs> saving on for a draw. Yeah. And so it's, it's those beats that you have to follow. I can't remember all the little quirks and the ins and outs of those things or – you know, the Indian series or the Ashes, you, you kind of forget about the 24-hour, I guess, news cycle or the, or the pressure and you just keep focusing on, okay, what the team challenges are. But it's interesting because it, also within that growth of JL, he he clocks onto that too by his own inner thought. So by about halfway through the series, mm. he recognises, oh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Maybe there's a new way to approach this, yeah, right. which is really fascinating. That's interesting. All right, well, I've taken more time uh, than we agreed to. So, Adrian Brown, appreciate your time. Director of the test, it's on Amazon. You don't need me to tell you because it's literally all through your social media feeds. You will have been targeted if you are listening to this show. So, if you want to watch it, you know, just get onto the internet and use it like you always do. Cheers. Adrian, last words? Uh, just say what an honour it is to be on The Great Cricketer. And <laughs> thank you for making my dad very happy Father's Day. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. You're looking down at your page reading our name as you say that. You're saying that to every single interviewee. Yeah, I do. Exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, uh, here we are at the Amazon premiere of the test with Steve Smith, Alex Carey. A um, lot of scenes from the documentary that club cricketers will recognise from change rooms. Yeah. A lot of change room scenes, a lot of people, a lot of rev ups, etc. Just, uh, just for, for the club land out there, can you sort of tell us what is the difference between maybe a club cricket dressing room and an international cricket dressing room, just in terms of the rev ups and the the, uh, the general vibe? 
Oh, plenty of ordinary banter. Um, there's always that floating around a change room, no matter where you're playing. But uh, I don't know. In regards to rev ups, maybe a little bit more serious at times. And there's always plenty on the line in an international games. So always plenty, um, yeah, plenty of uh, inspirational chat. And uh, yeah, go out there and do the business. Just, just on that, neither of you were um, present at this match, but there was one at the SCG where David Saker, um, formerly with the side, said, "You know, boys, we can't not be aggressive. You know, how important are rev ups?" Uh, when it comes to cricket? Oh, I think every player deals with, deals with them differently, don't they? Um, back in the day, they're, they're, they're great if they get them on film. Uh, they're always good to watch, especially in the footy change rooms. But cricket's a little bit different. You sort of get revved up for, for one ball and then you've got 30 seconds, a minute to stand there in the field while it's nice and quiet. So that rev up dies down pretty quickly. <laughs> Alex, just a personal one for you. Obviously, being in South Africa the last couple of days, we celebrated you during the World Cup for being a teeth-based selection. There was actually... Uh, there was <laughs> Just going. So they're chompers, yeah, yeah cool. Okay. Uh, but there was a sign held up during the last ODI there in South Africa. You're now an eyelash space selection. Do you see that? Yeah, look, if I can keep my eyelashes nice and nice and well, well, I think it was the eyes, wasn't it? Blue eyes. So if they stay blue, then hopefully they get a few more games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, he, he, with, he with Peter Siddle, Uzzman Close Kawaja. personal, friend, Close Peter personal friends. Yeah. Peter Siddle, Uzzman yeah. Kawaja. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go to you, Uzzi. Um, wonderful scenes in the documentary that I particularly enjoyed and I think a lot of club cricketers will enjoy where just return fire at the coach a few times yeah. in relation to uh, yeah. things that he says. Mm. Have you got any words of wisdom out there for club cricketers who maybe hear a coach say something uh, that they vehemently disagree with and want to speak up? Uh, look, if he's a selector, probably just hold your tongue a little bit. <laughs> uh, I was never good at school for that exact same reason. Uh, I got in trouble a lot from the teachers talking back, so I guess I'll have a start hard. Okay. Um, since we're trying to figure out where this documentary sits in the in sort of the pantheon of great documentaries, I'm thinking Game Changer on Netflix, you know, Fire Festival, Inconvenient Truth. Where does this one sit in the pantheon of great documentaries? Because you will have watched all eight episodes. Yep. <laughs> Fire Festival's pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd probably, probably, probably see how it goes. Um, I think, yeah, Uz and I are pretty excited to hopefully see a lot of footage of Mitch Marsh just, just, just being loose and rare throughout yeah. the e- episode. So I think if he gets a lot of airtime, I think it makes for a good doco. Um, if there's too much cricket, um, probably not so much. So we'll, we'll see how we go. We're sort of fascinated with this topic and we're hoping to ask JL later, but there's a scene where he talks about getting his um, his Aussie kit when he was a player mm. and getting to the bottom of the box, finding that baggy green, wearing it around everywhere. Like, where do you think the like the weirdest place is worn his baggy green is? And, and maybe same for you guys as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weirdest place. Sh- oh, for JL, the weirdest place he's worn it. Um, yeah, I reckon Wimbledon. Yeah, he yeah. wore in Wimbledon. You, if yeah, you guys did. were there yeah. on that day where Tiger said, look, everyone put your baggy green on, <laughs> would, you, would you guys have done that? <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to let Tugger down, so I probably would have been gastro. I would have, I would have come down with some. Couldn't, couldn't make it to the tennis. Sorry, boys. Got to stay in the bed. Um, just so you don't let the captain down, because um, I don't think I would have wanted to step foot um, in there with that. I think that's uh, that 98 West or 95 West Indian tour. Uh, they're wearing on the beach as well. I mean, would, would you wear it down to Coogee? And have you done so? Look, slip, slop, slap, right? Yeah, it's, it's better than nothing. <laughs> I reckon uh, you just go down there strutting in your baggy green. Uh, with the budgies on. With the budgies on, yeah, yeah green budgies. Budgies, budgies and baggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a full, it's, that's a power move right there, wouldn't it? Going down to Coogee Oval with your baggy green on, so maybe you have to try it one day. Okay, let's do it. Love it. 
he, he once again on the same day with Australian cricket captain Tim Payne and yep. um, Nathan Lyon. We're here for the test, uh, Amazon. Uh, where, where, where do we want to kick off here? He goes, I mean, there's a lot of scenes from club change rooms that we see. There's yeah. a lot of change room scenes. Club cricketers will understand that scene uh, very much. What are the differences between club cricket and international cricket change rooms? Free product. Yeah. Um, not as many durries. Nah, <laughs> not anymore. Although early test cricket, there probably was not more. as many. Yeah. Not as many. Yeah. yeah, I would say just the product, the amount of it. Um, a couple probably, of massage tables. Yeah, yeah. staff numbers are pretty big. Yeah. Good having a few staff around. Oh, it's always nice if you want to throw down or someone to go and clean your spikes or something. Is that, is that how it works? I mean, let's, yeah. let, let, let's, let's go there. You just, feel, you just feel like hitting, hitting a few full tosses. You just say to someone, just a couple of throw downs, bang, it happens. Let's go. Doesn't That happens in grade cricket too, though, doesn't it? Like for you, possibly. Goes yeah. back to grade cricket. They line up to throwing balls. When, when do you go back to grade cricket, Lionel? Accidentally? Um, well, my brother's actually head coach at the ND's trees up at um, Hornsby up there. So, um, yeah, I might get up there this weekend. Who knows? <laughs> Um, Tim, because you actually played great cricket this year and had a bowl in the game as well. Yeah, you were keen to have a bowl. They took, took the new ball. Yeah, look, I bowled um, seven overs, none for 18. Um, seam up, swung them around. Um, that was a bit dirty. No, guys, you know how I normally swing them out to the righties? I don't know what happened with my action, but they started swinging in. So it took me an over or two to find my thing, and I was, yeah. think I was three overs, none for ten, and then I hit a bit of rhythm, and the captain took me off. Yeah, yeah. Did you turn up to the game in your cricket, with your cricket show, the kit? Yeah, full kit. No, full no, kit? No, I've never done that. Okay. I am... Even one, a backpack or something? No, full, full uni lines kit me. Really? Kit bag, backpack, <laughs> kit, playing kit, helmet, everything. Oh, okay, did, so anyone, oh, did anyone yell out bowler's name when you came onto bowl? No, they didn't. Um, it was, but I think only because there was actually a first grade premiership reunion on at the day, <laughs> and they were, there was a fair bit of stick getting yeah, flown out. He did do his toss in his test jacket. <laughs> That's one thing I did here. <laughs> No, they've asked me to. So I don't know where that sits because they think it would be hilarious if I turn up and toss in my test jacket. And I'm open to it, but I'm trying to gauge at the moment. Do, do you have any words for any player out there? You're obviously the top, the top job in Australian cricket, possibly world cricket. You know, people out there who do like to use representative gear at lower levels for their own ego or for whatever reason. Oh, I can't stand it. I mean, the, I don't know if you've spoken to him. Manus Labshane, he's a big culprit of that. Um, doesn't happen a lot in Tassie cricket because we've got less egos. Um, I'd imagine in the, some of the biggest states and someone like Amanus who's had a privileged upbringing, um, that would happen a lot. But, yeah, it's, it's, I haven't seen it in Tasmanian grey cricket for a long time. Thanks very much, boys. <laughs> Thanks, lads. Cheers. Hi, Justin. Ian Higgins. Nice meet you, Justin. Sam Perry. Yeah. You, look ner- you look nervous. Mate, I've asked your management and British yeah. Australian. Like, ask Cole. I've asked him a thousand times. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, finally, we're here with Justin Langer, who keeps turning us down um, for the Great Cricket Podcast. <laughs> that is not true. I love your show. I'm insane. Get me on. Come on. Very nice. I'm offensive from CA here. Okay. Yep. My favourite scene from um, the docuseries is you talking about getting your Australian test kit as a player, getting into that box. You, you wrote about it in Power of Passion as well, 2001 book. I read it. Anyway, um, getting to the bottom of the box, getting that baggy green and wearing it around the house and stuff. And we're sort of fascinated. We asked this question of all the players. Like, yeah. Where's the weirdest place you've worn your baggy green since? <laughs> Go on. Surely. That's a story. <laughs> down, down at Bunnings uh, or, or Woolies Trip? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, um, where's the weirdest place I've worn it? 
I probably slept in it the first night, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, with my with my cricket bat. Um, I, t- I talk about that a lot. Favourite cricket bat, my baggy green cap first night. Um, no, it was pretty... Oh, yeah, we were at Wimbledon. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about the Wimbledon thing, but Warney got all carried away. But we, the truth of the matter of Wimbledon was because we won the day before and we got so drunk the night. It was like a Bucks party, right? So it was like at four o'clock in the morning. We said, how about we wear the baggy greens too? So some blokes get tattoos on a Bucks party. We said, oh, Pat Rafter's playing tomorrow. How about we wear baggy greens to Wimbledon? Oh, that's a good idea. And now all of a sudden, warning that's jumping up and down because we're idiots because we were, mate, it was like a Bucks party. We're all blind drunk. That's the truth. Um, and you've obviously just returned from South Africa over there. Obviously, we saw uh, Mitch Starr come home for the World Cup final. Did you ask him if he got a plus one to the final as well so everyone can come home? <laughs> I actually spoke to him yesterday and he was very appreciative that he was able to make the trip back. And it was, it was great for him to, to be able to do that. It was, it's a, probably the least we could do for everything that he's, he's given over the last few years, been travelling non-stop. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great for him to be a part of it with Alyssa. Yeah. We, we recently interviewed um, Nathan Lyon and Peter Siddle, obviously two senior people in Australian cricket, and um, they were very clear that in the Australian team now exists a culture of um, a lot of skin uplift people putting a bit of money into their skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, some injections. Some seriously senior players. Just, work. Just, yeah. just from a cultural perspective, Justin, yeah. I mean, your views on that and mm. where, where you get involved and where the, you draw the line. Yeah, it's one of the saddest days of my life at Lords when I first got the job. <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen, these guys have got Botox in their foreheads. I go, my no, God. Name them. Name them and shame them. I will in a second. But I tell the story now that when I first, the night before my first test match, I walked into the bar and there was Booney and AB and... Merv and they were having a few beers. These days, these blokes are not for a test. They're all spiritual healing and meditating and beating their legs and shining their diamond earrings and bloody Botoxing their faces. I can't believe it, eh? The world has changed. It's a sad day. That would never happen in fourth grade, Justin, let me tell you. We've actually asked a lot of people about the champion culture in Australian yeah. cricket, and a lot of people have come back and said that you're a huge exponent of the champ. Is that true? The ringleader of, of champing people? Never, ever call someone champ. Wow. Aaron, confirm or deny? No, I've never heard it. No. But you're saying it's the coach, obviously. So. I'm not going to say if I did it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've honestly never heard it. I've, from JL, I mean. I've, yeah, I've been champed enough times in my life that... There's, there's a cricketer that does it, and I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Someone goes, oh, thanks, champ. Well played, champ. I just feel like punching them. Well, we've just been told by about five or six different cricketers yeah. that you are the ringleader, and it's a very WA thing. No, I will sometimes, if I'm really passionate, I go, bloody champion, give us a hug. Or I'll, I call them a champion. Yeah, champion is different. Yeah. yeah, champ, but never champ. Champ, mate, seriously. Yeah. So give me more credit than that, boys. There's a documentary in this as well. I mean, when you guys started your career, you know, obviously going through the grassroots level, did you think that one day you'd obviously get to a point where you'd be the star of an Amazon documentary? Hmm. Yeah, I knew it was, I definitely knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I dreamed about it the whole Amazon. time. Been billboards, Amazon, that's all I played the game for, actually. Yeah, that's the truth. The that's internet hadn't that. started when you started playing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. That's true. Finch unavailable for Sunday's game against New Zealand. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. yeah black but, no, no. <laughs> elite honesty. He's just telling the truth. He's actually bloody right. Didn't have mobile phones when I started either. So, Justin, when can we look forward to um, to having you sort of exclusively on the podcast? And what you say is gospel. Well, seriously, when you invite me. Simple. Yeah. 
simple yeah. when you invite me. All right. Well, Cole's just there, yeah. Pretty much simple yeah. as that. Oh, perfect. It's very simple. Okay. Like, right. You can't come to a party without an invitation. My mum and dad taught me you can't come to an invitation, <laughs> go to a party, invitation. We talk about, we call them gate crashes. I've got teenage girls, right? And gate crashes are no good. So I can't come to your party unless you invite me, all right? Like, seriously, don't put it back on me. Well, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks so much, guys. Much appreciate it. Very generous. Very generous. Pat, obviously, you, you would you know you're a heavily branded man. Um, I just saw someone introduce himself. <laughs> well, someone introduced himself to you just before I overheard them saying, "Oh, it's, it's uh, my name's Richard from the Men's Health Shoot." Remember that, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Like yeah. this, was, this is obviously a springboard for you. Like, like cricket's just a just the trigger for, for an acting career for you. Uh, hopefully, a podcast career. I've heard it's pretty easy to get into, and um, anyone will listen to them. So <laughs> maybe that. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that's great. That. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, usually we sleep, so I don't like, yeah, no, I don't okay. like any back. Right. Bide your time. I don't like getting it back. But we're just trying, we're trying to figure out where this documentary sits in the pantheon of sort of great, great documentaries. documentaries. You know, I'm thinking uh, Inconvenient Truth. I'm thinking Fire Festival. Uh, what are some other game, game changers? You know, where do you think this one sits? Well, considering I haven't seen any of the ones you just mentioned on top. <laughs> as, as a big cricket fan, and that's heavily publicised, minus like you'll have watched all eight episodes of already advanced screening, or once you do get them, you'll be sort of consuming them in one go. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely binge. I'm a big binge watcher. When I get when I when I watch something, I like just continuing on. Uh, but I've only seen uh, one episode, so um, yeah, it's going to be exciting tonight to sort of uh, see. Uh, which episode are we watching? Seven. 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 Oh, good. Okay. okay. All right, oh, we'll get in the wrap-up, guys. And you guys, you know, and stay humble, obviously, Pat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you after us. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. All right, let's start. Uh, we're here with um, Adam Zampa, Zorba, if you will. And, um, What's this being used for? Immediately aggressive. Yeah. Um, this is the podcast. podcast. Yeah. There's no camera. So is this like a it's audio. special episode of the Podcast. Well, we feel like every episode is special because it's sort of like a baby, you know, but it's... I can tell you right now that all your episodes aren't special. <laughs> <laughs> More sledging from players, yeah, So good. when you're insecure, you actually feel like you need to get on the front foot, but that's yeah. a separate thing. Um, so, Adam, think of mm. great documentaries through time. Yeah, let's think about it. Man on Wire, you know, Fire Festival. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inconvenient Truth, yeah. The Test. You're looking forward to your role in it and, and just its place in the Australian sporting pantheon as a, as a way to capture the, the story, the narrative of the Australian cricket team. Um, Watch that brain tick over. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the parts with me in it. Um, I think that's what this documentary is going to be about, is a bit of, bit of me time. Um, Fast forward sort of to, to when you're in it kind of thing or yeah. what are we looking at? I think so. Probably the, they'll be quite cringeworthy because mm. um, you know what happens when the camera's in front of you. There's a bit of like mayonnaise just slapped on. Is that right? <laughs> slapped on everything. Was, it, was there anyone in particular who sort of, it was like a uh, marked up edge, Yeah, or, or scripted oh, lines kind of thing yeah, written yeah, up before? Every, everyone. 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 <laughs> Camera on, yeah? Yeah. There's just, yeah, yeah. mayonnaise just slapped on. Anyone in particular, you're like, he's he's definitely turned that he's on because because Amazon's here. Coach, 
<laughs> Cut that. <laughs> well, I, was, I remember. I remember specifically the Eddie Izzard when he was talking. He was in one of the Oceans uh, movies, and I remember he had a very small part in that movie. And he was being interviewed, and he said, "You know, it's a very small role, one or two speaking lines, but it is sort of my movie." Do you feel the same way about your role in this test series? Yeah, definitely. It's like one of those things where if your face pops up in it, you're like, ah, yeah. "I'm in it," and then your face goes away, and you're like, "Okay, I'll wait another hour until I get a role," because obviously I'm not. Not the big guy around here. Not, not one of the big guys. So just to see my face just like zoom past the camera every now and then is going to be nice. Is the part um, where you and uh, Stoinis went to the tailors to, to lift up the trousers for the for the World Cup, is that going to be in the in the show? That's not in it, no. no. You're saving that for a Channel 7 then separate someone, sort of thing? Someone else would have had to hang out with us to get the footage oh, right. oh. and we were like, yeah. oh. it's, it's not happening, sorry. Um, you're obviously a very authentic man, Adam, in all seriousness. And you know, we were um, interviewing the GOAT earlier today. Um, and he was telling... So it was Ken on your view on this, but he, he was letting us know that there's actually a couple of guys getting Botox and getting some stuff done on their face in the uh, Aussie cricket team. He's seen this. I'm going to point fingers towards Warner, Smith. Yeah. Probably guys you see on camera most in this documentary, to be honest. Yeah. Obviously, like- with you can see my face. There's definitely no... Botox or anything. This is El Natural, dry, just straight off the flight from South Africa. Yeah. I actually put a face mask on today. That's most. They feel I've, good, don't they? Yeah, you know those. Was um, it fifteen minutes on? Those collagen ones that you yeah. like, not the actual ones that you yeah. rub on. They're the ones that you put on your face. Yeah. yeah. Can you see that kind of culture filtering <clears throat> down to grade cricket level and and beneath shires, sub districts, churches? If you want. <laughs> If you want optimum circuit results on a Saturday night, then I suggest to get the collagen face mask. Or Botox injections. If you can afford it, I guess. Um, Finally, we're actually getting a few people who um, are really taking to your comment on our show, Get Rarer, using it as kind of inspo, insta-inspo, stuff outside cafes, your likeness drawn and stuff like that. Like any, any... any update to that, I suppose, for those people out there who, you know, for whom Get Rarer is an important mantra? Um, I thought of another one, actually. I was in the field at third man the other day. <laughs> it's already funny. Against South Africa. And obviously one day is quite long, so you, 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 your brain just wanders. And I was like, ha, terminally chill. That's cool. So, yeah. Do you want to shorten the, shorten the 50 overs stuff? Because you, you wanted to shorten the T20s to like 15 or 10 overs or 8 overs or something. Or not play at all. I think definitely shorten it. It's yeah. way too long. Yeah. The fact that I can't You're check... You're on the 100 kind of payroll though as well, right? Yeah, yeah so exactly. Get it done in an hour. Yeah. The fact we have, we have to put our phones away. So the fact that I can't check great cricketers' Instagram for 12 hours <laughs> during a one-day game is ridiculous. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad we're all mates, but you're never quite mates with the players because they're sort of a uh, pro. Yeah. Just confirm he hasn't looked in our eyes once. Yeah, that's right. Or laughed at anything we've said. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Nice. G'day listeners, Louis Burke here with Generation Batuta, the stories that matter to you and the other five members of your share house. Open your ears and blow your minds as our weekly youth program brings you stories about pill testing, climate change and a cheeky story about sex to make sure you listen until the end. I am, you are, we are, Generation Batuta. Generation Batuta. Tune in now on Desert Rock FM or if you don't live in Batuta, listen free, only on Spotify. That time again, Budgie Smuggler, 
time. Uh, we don't even need to give them a whole bunch of time this week. I mean, what about the organic advertisements they were getting last week when Nathan Lyon was just talking about uh, mm. his own line of budgies to mm. us, when Peter Siddle was talking about baggies and budgies. Mm. That's a kind of organic uh, you know, ad placement you can look forward to mm. when you work with TGC. Probably not, though. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, look, it's all, it's all about customs. It's all about being Australian-made. It's all about the fact that the footy season now and your team is prob- probably does have a line of smugglers that you should be subscribing to. How do you rate, uh, relate to coronavirus? I don't know, and you probably don't. I think that well, – but, well, people need to keep in mind that, you know, even though winter is, winter is coming and winter is here, just mm-hmm. about the football season has started, this is the golden age of global warming where you're going to get those 27-degree days in June. So smugglers all year round. Budgiesmuggler.com.au Are you upset that no one comes to watch you play cricket? Are you tired of no one appreciating you for the talented third grader you are? The Cricket Family is the first program dedicated to helping people like you feel relevant again. We have a database of over 1,000 out-of-work actors who can come to your games and masquerade as your friend, girlfriend, wife, parents or grandparents, helping you create the perception that the people close to you actually care about what you do. Great shot, Jason. No, I'm proud of you, son. The Cricket Family, helping cricketers feel relevant once again. Hashtag AskTJC. Pezza? Okay. Um, we've just got a few minutes here. Still going we... well. Still going really strong. There's some heaps. Of, there's there's some heaps of mm. good stuff. Mm. Good language. Um, professional communicator. Lockie O'Keefe says, gents, I wrote to you a number of months ago. And at the time, I was a nervous wreck that I wouldn't be able to cut it as a first-grade cricketer. I was petrified that I would be too rare and simply lack the ability to make it in the top grade. Since then, almost a whole season has passed and things could not have gone any better. I have played every first-grade game this season. Before the last round, I have 22 wickets at 12.3 and my season batting average of 8 has been ignored because of my exploits with the ball. I even avoided ridicule for writing into you blokes earlier in the season and my self-deprecation, uh, self-deprivation was seen as funny by not just my own club, but oppositions as well. More importantly, though, I'm the admin on the club's circuit group chat. I'm, organized, I'm organising the end-of-season trip, helping to organise presentation night. I've been made to head of the Fast Bowlers Cartel and will surely get the bowling award for ones at the end of the year. My question today is this. Although I have miraculously turned my cricketing life around and now have an alpha standing at my club, why do I still fucking hate cricket? Why am I the first one to get as happy as a toddler on Christmas when there's the slightest possibility of a washout? Why have I circuited every Friday night this season, thrown up in four different clubs' rooms and dropped a couple of sodas because I was so hungover I couldn't see? Why do I avoid training like the plague? Only speak to opposition players about how we can get the game over as quickly as possible. Last week, I suggested four consecutive declarations so we could get across to the sports club for lunch and $5 CCs. I hate it so much, but I still rock up every week, waste my Saturdays while my mates are day drinking at the beach. What the fuck is wrong with me and how do I help myself? Also, if you want to come to our club's presentation night, the boys seem to think we're mates now that you read out my last question. Our budget is grim. But we'll promise a ripper circuit. Thanks, Lockie. Thanks, Lockie. Uh, in answer to your main question, the reason you feel the way you do is because it's all you've ever known. You have a deep-seated fear of change. Correct. Um, you also derive an inordinate amount of, amount of self-worth 
from the game. Um, cite the breathless detail in recounting your statistics this season, yes. so much so that you've been moved to write in publicly um, in the hopes that it be broadcast to many tens of thousands of people. Uh, of course, you cloak this in self-deprecation, which you incorrectly <laughs> call self-deprivation. But maybe you could use a bit of self-deprivation from obsessing over your statistics use of the internet and cricket itself. Um, in all seriousness, congrats on your results this season. Well done, and your desire not to play likely stems from natural anxiety connected to the importance you place on cricket. Try to remember we're all very insignificant in the scheme of things, which should in turn help release that anxiety because in the end, none of it really matters. And when you're getting old and your back goes a bit, you'll probably wish you could still bowl fast and you'll wish you'd be more grateful for the experience while you were doing it. You're currently doing it now, so go forth, take wickets, enjoy your cricket and enjoy your circuit. Lucky, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. Lucky, your identity is wrapped up in your club. And your cricket, you're pretty stoked to get the bowling ward, and rightfully so. I'd never won a bowling ward. What I wouldn't give to have a bowling ward on my shelf somewhere. Or just never any- played pro cricket either. Or just... <laughs> <laughs> There's two things the listeners have learned about me today. Um, yeah, and like now that you're head of the group admin chat, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. So you've got power, you've got status, yeah, you've got social huge, currency. Like you know, you, you, you talk into oppositions. The opposition's like you because you think that we're friends. I mean, it, your whole identity is wrapped up in the game. Mm, so I'm you play, you for play you. as long as you can until, you know, mm. all of your friends leave and you'll be the last one playing. Nice. Well, and you might turn to this guy. This is in from Anon. One of my favourites. Afternoon, choppers. Hashtag AskTGC. There is a 50-year-old second team at my club who has recently been outed by his wife for having a five-year affair with a different woman. Mm-hmm. Instead of being stigmatised for the undoubted cuck he is, the blokes in the dressing room have had a rather different take on the matter, showering him with praise such as top shagger and leader of the buck squad. A caveat to this whole fairly alarming situation is that his daughter still turns up to every home game to score while this is all going on. The gentleman in question has taken over a thousand wickets for the club and has regularly initiated new young players into the side by routinely urinating on them in the showers. Do I play for the worst club in the world or is this the boisterous and indeed unanimous support for such behaviour and just another endemic aspect ingrained in the psyche of grade cricket with the esteemed title of Chop King unavoidably pursued subconsciously by all participants? Cheers, Anon. This is a classic question of can you separate the person, the artist from the art. This man has... <laughs> That's good, mate. <laughs> so, someone has got a thousand wickets for the club. This is Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> good docos, but W. Allen. I've seen his name in the, in the paper. No one reads the fucking paper anymore. Come on. Um, a thousand wickets for the club, so he's got enormous social capital within the club, but he appears to be a horrendous person. Um, these construction workers are about to walk past again. They're going to fucking look at us. I'm wearing fucking headphones in my car. Yeah, normal stuff. A blue, a blue long sleeve shirt, <laughs> button up, going to the members today. <laughs> anyway, I mean, can, so like the, the question really remains of like, you know, can, you, can one be excellent at cricket and have achieved many good things mm. and also be a good person? And the answer is no. If you go to ESPN Cricket Info and you search good bloke, you will find zero results. <laughs> zero results will come up from that search. Uh, I think there's some really concern. I mean, the question is, you know, do I oh, play the wor- worst club in the world? Like, um, like the dude, like there's some very concerning 1980s, 1990s vibes to this situation. And by that, I mean lots of adultery and on-field success. Um, <laughs> but like my understanding is this stuff is not really the norm anymore. But like, you're also probably not the worst club in the world. Like I, um, I heard about a club who nearly fell apart at the seams because players in the top grade, not grade cricket, yeah. started getting involved in organised wife swapping. 
Oh, um, I've heard about this as well. Yeah. Have we spoken about this? Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, right. Had to bring uh, sports chaplains in and stuff. Didn't end well. Oh, that's right. That's The right. wife swapping didn't end well. <laughs> uh, Name of the third book. Yeah. <laughs> There's no third book. Um, nah. But pretty keen to write a book about that, to be honest. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably worse yeah. than a guy who is proud or is being made to be some kind of, like, be lionised for having an affair, which he shouldn't be. He might be proud inside, but in, in like, no, so he'll be proud externally, but inside yeah. he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. He's yeah. dead inside. Oh, he's actually probably really sad. The and sadness and, and inside And needs some help. Yeah. yeah. Hits the top of off really nicely, though. <laughs> Next time he takes a wicket, just give him a hug, just an extra long hug. Yeah. And he won't be letting go. <laughs> and he'll really appreciate it, and then... And then half an hour later, he'll piss on a child in the change rooms because that's blokes. But the hug will have meant something, and that's just the complexity of it. I, I, I don't know the answers. I'm just a messenger. Oh, men. Can we insert the, the two and a half men theme there to that? Yeah. Just the, the whole backdrop of that. Okay. Um, Anon writes in. Always get a little bit scared when the nons come in, mm. but this one's all right. You're thrilled. Dear, Higo, dear Higos and Pez, I write to you from the comfort of my home, having been sent home from work to self-isolate. Flagrantly dismissing our IT department's policy of monitoring activity when staff work from home, I logged out and watched the Shelton Festival. Uh, much like my cricket career, my recent... Horse race. Yes. Yeah. Much like my cricket career, my recent betting history has been littered with failure. This has resulted in a credit rating so poor that I have had an application for a credit card turned down. I've been a regular listener of your podcast for some time, resulting in me stealing large parts of your vocabulary and passing it off as my own. I'm the second least popular person in the office. <coughs> Imagine my excitement, therefore, when I saw a horse named Champ was running in the next race. Without haste, I decided to back this heavily, five pounds. It won, netting me a cool 30 pounds. 25 pounds, 50. <laughs> Fast forward 10 minutes. The very next race, a horse named Alpha Mix flashed onto my 55-inch TV screen. Yeah, 55. Was it to be? The rarest of beasts, a champ Alpha Double. I immediately put my winnings on the Alpha. It ran fucking backwards, and now I'm back to net zero. So with that in mind, my question is as follows. Can I borrow 25 quid? Cheers, Anon. P.S. I did try to fit in the joke about my dad here, as I know it plays well with your audience. However, I deemed it inappropriate, as he is dead. <laughs> The, the darkness uh, of that joke really uh, got me. R.I.P. I'm RIP sorry. to your dad and, yeah, he's, and, he's, and he's left you with a good sense of humour. Yeah, well played. Um, well played. Yeah. Well, and th- but, you know, that aside, um, yeah. Oh, mate, don't you love a love it, punt? <laughs> get some help. If you've got a gambling problem, get some help. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually had a, I had a text from a mate uh, who who also let me know that there was that Champ ran in the Cheltenham Festival and won. Oh, so seriously? Like, yeah. Oh, right, Okay. But isn't that what horse racing does? They just pick funny names that people will be drawn to, so they put money on that horse and you get money? Isn't that how so. the system works? It, yeah. Okay. So we're contributing. Alastair Lynch writes in. Do we have time for this? Buckle up. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he kind of answers it. I don't think we have to say too much. Oh, okay. He sort of um, All right. provides a joke, yeah. Alastair Lynch, TGC. During the depths of my recent self-isolation awaiting coronavirus testing results, my boredom became such that I input the word cricket into the Amazon Prime video search engine. This led me on to try a Triobriand cricket, an ingenious response to colonialism. 
a 70s documentary exploring the unique version of the code played by the trio brand Islanders. They were first exposed to the game by Christian missionaries who thought the game would discourage war among the natives. However, the game was quickly adapted to trio brand culture by expanding the number of players, adding dances and chanting and modifying the bats and balls. And he, um, uh, Alistair, kindly provides a little um, link there, which we might put out there as well because it's really good. Seeing how the game developed into this isolated area, seeing um, how the game developed in this isolated area can act as a control experiment. It can give insights uh, into whether the game itself is, a f- is flawed, making the mas- masochistic nature of the Saturday pursuit we currently endure inevitable, or whether societal impacts of the Western world have given us the depraved attitude to the recreational game that gives TGC its lifeblood. Immediately in the documentary, it becomes clear that these cricketers are having fun and we have our answer. The doco presents many alterations to the game, which I would like to ask TJC to consider as proposals to improve club cricket. There are also so, um, some interesting parallels with the modern game. Thoughts on the below. So this is where Alistair actually provides the answer to each of the uh, adaptations to the game. Triobrand cricket has been altered such that the home team is always the winner, to which Alistair says, interesting to say that test cricket is going this way 50 years on. There are no restrictions on the number of players on a team. The documentary shows 59 aside contests, massive circuit. Before the match, the bat and ball, the ball and bats are given to a local shaman who, in exchange for cash, uses magic to make the equipment more effective. Considering flying to PNG before the new season for this, <laughs> the shaman also uses magic to ensure fine weather. Presumably, he could be paid to ensure rain too. The umpire, who is a member of the batting team, will also use magic to reduce the efficacy of the bowlers, similar to lower grades where LBWs are simply not given. Before the match, each team practices chants and dances to be formed at various times throughout the game. I suspect the ritual eyeing up and down of the opposition still goes on here, but with more of a focus on hip movement than chest pipes. Each wicket is followed by a choreographed celebratory dance involving the whole fielding side. These dancers often have special meaning, commenting on the prowess of the team, their superior skills, or mocking the other team. These dancers may also have sexual innuendos and erotic themes. To which Alistair says, This is the mother of all send-offs. The documentary shows 59 men dancing in loincloths, telling the dismissed batsman that he bats like a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) If you hit it straight up, you get six. If it goes higher than the highest coconut tree, just reward for all those Saturdays wasted putting one straight up the chimney. At the end of the match, there is an exchange of food with the home team putting on the feast. You're right, this will never catch on. In fitting style, around the 42-minute mark in the film, the gripless bat slips out of the striker's hands and hits one of the 58 fielders in the head. It then rains while the home side are about 45 wickets down the second <laughs> dig and the match is abandoned. Kind regards Alistair and then he, he leaves us a link to his play cricket <laughs> stats. Um, and yeah, he says you should have a look at it because it would do well on social media. Um, I love that send-off thing, just a choreographed 59-person dance saying that one looks like a prostitute. <laughs> I love that you can also take cricket to, um, uh, you know, remote areas, mm. and they come to the same conclusion of what you should do yeah. when somebody gets Even out. Even the indigenous communities yeah. have more of a, a relationship to um, spirituality, I suppose, yeah. and, and their own um, societies. Yeah, but, and, but sledging is on. That's the sort of thing. It reminds me of what Justin Langer said in this documentary: "There's no abuse, but there's banter. Play good, look good, feel good." 